We're glad you're here this morning. Just a quick question. I know a lot of times I look for group participation, and let's be honest, some of you are great and some of you stink at it. So today, let's all do a much better job, all right? Here we go. How many of you love receiving gifts at Christmas? Let's see your hands. All right, great. How many of you like giving gifts at Christmas? Really? Wow. Now, I won't ask you whether to receive or gift because we know which way that one's going, right? But we all give gifts at Christmas. And the thing about giving gifts is I would say probably all the gift givers in the room, you fall into really one of three categories. Sometimes you give gifts out of obligation, right? How many of you know people? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand because they might be with you. <laughs> they might be with you or across the room somewhere. But we all sometimes have somebody that we've got to give a gift to out of obligation. We know that, we know that hey, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's our boss or whatever and we're like we just feel like we have to we don't really want to but we have to so we do it out of obligation sometimes we give gifts to get gifts anybody like that in the room right you give something to somebody because you know if you give them something then they will feel obligated to get you something and then there's some of you in the room and this is probably most of you I would assume the best of you that your gifts come from a sincere place in your heart and a desire to give those gifts right that's probably most of you now here's the thing, if you really think about it, giving is so much a big part of Christmas, isn't it? In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say this, and, and I, I kind of want you to kind of lock in on this today, that I believe the true meaning of Christmas is giving. When you really think about it, the true meaning of Christmas is giving. Not getting, but giving. In fact, the Christmas stories we're going to see today is surrounded by this idea of sincere giving right? Been sincere giving. The whole Christmas story revolves around this idea of sincere giving. And if you think about it, most of us, as we talked about last week, kind of get wrapped up in the chaos of Christmas, don't we? And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the chaos of Christmas, we really do miss some things. Last week we talked about missing the merry or the joy of Christmas. And I think sometimes we miss the meaning of Christmas, now, I'm not talking about you in the checkout line. When I talk about giving, I'm not talking about you in the checkout line going, oh, I've got to buy somebody something, that's good enough. And you grab it and you buy it and you go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of giving that's a reflection of your heart. There's a reflection of the desire and the intent of your heart toward somebody. And I think sometimes we miss it. And if we were honest, I think most of us in the room would say that the gifts that have meant the most to us over the years aren't necessarily the expensive gifts, but the gifts that somebody has put thought, heart, feeling and creativity in and gave them to us and those are the gifts aren't they that we typically never forget right and so today I really want us to focus on the sincerity of giving I really believe it is the true meaning of Christmas is giving and so today we're going to look at three men they're called wise men or magi and we're going to look at them and see about their sincere giving and just simply ask the question what is it that we can learn about their giving as it relates to us in this holiday season. So if you have your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read Matthew's version of the Christmas story. And I want to begin reading, I just want to read verse 1 for you right now. It says this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, and then it kind of stops there. Now, the first thing I want you not to miss, and I know sometimes you've heard the Christmas story over and over and over and over and over again. And I think there's things when we read the Christmas story, there's points of the Christmas story we always go to because they're kind of the warm, fuzzy moments and the things we enjoy. And I think sometimes when we do that, we miss some really powerful things. So I want you to go back to verse one. Let's read the very first line. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 
I don't want you to miss something about Christmas and the story. The true meaning of Christmas is giving. And the very first thing Matthew says in this Christmas story is now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I don't want you to miss the fact that God gave first, didn't he? God gave first. God gave us his son first. And he didn't just grab a gift in the checkout line. He gave us the best gift that he had. His one and only son. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? Oh, come on. That he what? Gave. He gave his only son. And I think sometimes we read the Christmas story. I know we're about to jump to the wise men, but I don't want you to miss that God gave mankind first his best and his only gift. Now, here's the real interesting question. Why? You know, when you see the gift that God gave us, isn't that a reflection of the heart and the desire of God? Yeah that we would be in relationship with him. See, God gave Jesus his only son with the hopes that people would come in contact with him. They would begin to figure out who this Jesus is. They would decide to to trust him and invite him in as the savior of their life just so he could be in relationship with them. God gave his son so that we might have a relationship with him. Now, I don't want you to forget that at Christmas time. I know that, you know, we we sometimes think about, you know, sweet baby Jesus and he's in a manger and all those are great things. But I don't want you to forget that, 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 that Jesus didn't stay a baby. He became a man. He lived and he died the most brutal death known to man just because he loves us that much. And he rose again so that we might know him and have a relationship with our heavenly father. So when you read this story, now after Jesus was born, just pause for a moment and go, God, thank you for that gift. Thank you that you sent your only son because ultimately what you desire for all of us is to have a relationship with you. Amen? And I don't want you to miss that this morning. Now, verse two, it says this. And when the wise men had showed up in Jerusalem, they said, where is he who has, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. So these wise men show up. I mean, Jesus has been born. God has given his gift to mankind. And these wise men, and you know who wise men are. They were called magi. And basically what they were, if you don't know, is they were astrologers. And what most historians believe is that these magi, now we don't know how many they were. We think three because there was ultimately three gifts. At the end of the day, there could have been a dozen of them. We don't really know. But what we do know is that there was predominantly in this day known nations of that time in the world. There was three predominant nations. And what Magi would do, they would go out on the hillsides and they would sit and they would just stargaze. And they would stargaze and they would stargaze and they would stargaze and they would stargaze and they would stargaze. Sounds like an awesome job, doesn't it, right? Just go out on the mountaintop and watch the stars. But what they would do is each magi would have a constellation, and constellations for them represented nations. And when a new star would pop up in the constellation, that meant a new king had been born, and then they would follow that star all the way to that country, and then they would go bearing gifts for that king that had been born. Does that kind of make sense? And so that's what's happened. A star pops up, we know. And they follow the star all the way to King Herod in Jerusalem, And they say, we've come to worship him. Now, you know, because you know me, I love words and I love playing out words and we're going to do a lot of that today. But that word worship is an interesting word and the implication is interesting. Because if you historically study wise men or magi, here's what you're going to find out. The historians will tell you that magi are the wise men. They would take gifts and they would take them to honor the new king that had been born. A new king, you know, you're going to go to the palace and you're going to give them gifts to honor them as an authority over that nation. 
But you didn't hear in historians talk about Magi going and saying that they were going to worship. They were just going to honor, not to worship. So I find it interesting that they show up in Jerusalem to King Herod and said, we want to know about this new baby that's been born because we've come to worship him. We've come not just to honor him, we've come to adore him. And that's a huge shift from what the norm was for them. Now, we know kind of how the story plays out from there. King Herod, if you know anything about King Herod, you can study history. He was kind of, most people would say he was kind of a paranoid schizophrenic. He was the guy that stood there and he heard all this information from these magi going, hey, we've come to worship the new king. And if you're King Herod, who should be the heir to your throne? A son, right? He didn't have a new baby. Uh-oh, right? Something's going to happen. This is not good news for Herod. Then Herod does something amazing. He tells the magi, here's what I want you to do. Keep following the star. Find out where the stars lead you. Find that baby and when you get there, bring a report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Wink, wink. Right? Because was his desire to worship? No. In fact, what we find out a little bit later is what does he do? He sends a decree out that every child under the age of two, a male boy, was to be what? Slaughtered. To be killed, right? And then it's in verse 9 in Matthew chapter 2 that we begin to see the sincere gifts of the Magi. These sincere gifts. And I want you to look at it with me. Chapter 2, let's look 9 through 12. It says, After listening to the king, they went off on their way, and behold, the star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, real quickly, there, there's some things I want you to see in just these few verses. And there's really two kinds of gifts. There's really two ideas, or there's really, there's really two things about the gifts the wise men offered that I want you to notice with me. First thing I want you to notice is the first gift they gave was personal. It was personal. Now, look with me in verse 11, because you're going to see something here you typically don't talk about. It says this, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, and they what? Worshipped. And there's that word again. Worshipped him. Now, I want, you, okay, I want you to follow Doug's crazy brain thinking this morning, all right? The first thing you see is something that was personal to these magi. It says they went in, they fell down, and they worshipped him. What did the Magi offer him before they ever got to the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? What did they offer this new king? Themselves. Now, I want, I want to educate this morning. Typically, in ancient times, when someone would go to bring a gift to a king, they would walk in and they would voluntarily kneel down. To kneel down was kind of across the board, understood that when you now kneel down before a king with a humbled head, that basically you're humbling yourself under their authority. It was an act of humility. Does the Bible say that the Magi knelt down? No. What does it say? They what? They fell down. Now, let's chase that out. What does that mean? It doesn't just mean that they came to honor and to kneel and just to offer gifts, that they actually got to the place where they fell down. They came and surrendered themselves. If you look all the way through the Bible, you're going to see moments in the Bible where people fell down face first before the Lord. Why did they do that? It wasn't just humility. It also meant surrender. Now, are you with me on this this morning? 
these magi came to Jesus and they fell down and they worshiped him. They gave themselves, they fell down and surrender. And the Bible says, and they worshiped him. That means they declared that he was worth who he was. That he was God in the flesh. And they were declaring his worth and they came to worship him, to adore him. Not just to celebrate his birth, but to worship him and to honor him and to adore him. Now, the reason I want to point that out is because I love this. When you see their act of surrender and you see their act of worship, these were gifts from the heart. What was the first thing the wise men gave Jesus? He gave them themselves. And it was personal. Now, I say that because we're going to end with this whole idea today and a little bit later. But I just want to suggest to some of us this morning, maybe this is part of the Christmas story that we forget. We understand about giving gifts and all that kind of thing. But let me ask you this. When you think about your gift to the Lord, do you give him yourself or you just think about giving him stuff and, and maybe a little bit of this and a little bit of that? I mean, the wise men, when they showed up, they came obviously bearing gifts and treasure. But when they got there and they saw him, it said they rejoiced with exceedingly joy. I don't know what exceedingly joy looks like, but I bet Bill Turner knows because he's one jacked up dude sometimes, right? And you know what? I mean, he gets pumped up, excited, and that's exceedingly joy. And most of us are not on the log, and we don't know what exceedingly joy looks like. But it says when they got there, they had exceedingly joy. I would love to know what that looks like. But it was more than just, hey, we showed up. Here's some gifts for the king. It's almost, if you translate out in the Greek, it means their hearts were so full, all they could do is rejoice. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought about the Christmas story that way? That God sent his only son to become one of us, to love us, to die for us, that we can be in relationship with him. Has it ever filled your heart so much? You're like, all I can do is sing. All I can do is rejoice. Have you ever been there? That's where the Magi were. And their only response is the most natural response we see all throughout the Bible. They just fell down and worshiped him. They just surrendered their lives and said, you are the king, you are the Lord, and we just want to adore you. I love the beauty in that, right? It was personal. And I pray for you as we get to it in a minute that maybe one of the gifts you offer the Lord this year is personal. Another thing I want you to notice about these gifts, the second thing is that these gifts were only personal. These gifts were purposeful. Look with me in verse 11, the rest of verse 11. It says that when, um, and going into the house, they saw this child, Mary, with his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. That opening their treasures, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When I say purpose, what I mean is they gave gifts that had purpose and there was meaning behind them, right? Now, one of the gifts they gave was gold. Now, how many would you like to have that at your birthday party, right? Hey, I brought you a block of gold. I mean, how awesome would that be, right? And so they gave gold. Now, you kind of probably already know the story. You can probably even imagine it. But gold was the most precious and expensive stone, or the jewel that there was of the day. I mean, it was the most precious and expensive thing that you could get your hands on. But it was only given to those that were royal at any level of royalty or those that were kings. And so it wasn't like the average person out there was carrying around gold with them. And when you gave it as a gift, it was only gift as, a, as a gift of honor and adoration to a king or to someone of royalty. Now, why in the world, what was the meaning of these magi giving Jesus gold? Well, it's easy, and you can see the correlation. They were basically saying that you are King Jesus, right? 
Are you with me on this this morning? Say amen if you're with me. You're King Jesus. Now I want you to find something, think about something with me. Find this kind of interesting. Where were they at? Were they in the courts of the palace? And Jesus was in his pack and play? And they showed up? Where was Jesus? The Bible says he was in a house. Now, I know I'm about to wreck some of your Christmases, but the wise men never came to the manger. Oh, take him out of your nativity sets. We, have, we can have a long conversation about that. Now, in about 12 months, be, I'd be happy for you to put him in nativity sets, but he wasn't there. But we know this, the baby Jesus was born in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's the kind of a cutout section of a cave where all the animals stayed, where all they were fed, and all they took care of the business. I mean, everything under that little cave area, that's the manger. That's where Jesus was born. And then after Jesus, a little bit later, he moved into a house. And I find it interesting that these wise men, these magi show up to offer not only themselves, but to offer some purposeful gifts. And they give it a gift for a king in an average person's home. He wasn't in a palace. He wasn't in the place where king's kids were raised. He was just in a home with his mother Mary. And these magi show up and they gave a gift of a king to someone that seemed to be so average, right? And then they gave the gift of frankincense. And I actually had a friend of mine give me some frankincense and said, hey, you ought to burn this. It smells really good. But I was afraid we might set off the smoke alarms and the water sprinkler. So we're not gonna do that this morning. But frankincense is a beautiful smelling fragrance. In fact, frankincense is something that was used in the temple. The priest would take the frankincense and he would walk just up to the outside part of what was called the Holy of Holies, which was this huge veil that separated the rest of the temple from the inside where they believed God's presence was. And they would take this, they would take this uh, frankincense and would put it on a little bit of an altar and they would burn it and it would begin to smoke and it would begin to permeate this beautiful odor and it would go upward, obviously, because that's what happens to smoke. And they believed, the priest believed, that if I could offer this frankincense and as it goes up, somehow myself as well as all of Israel is gonna be able to connect with the holy God. And they gave Jesus frankincense. Why in the world would they do that? This is something that was used in a temple to help people connect with God. Oh, here's why. Because in giving Jesus frankincense, they were acknowledging two things. First of all, he will be our high priest. And he alone is our connection with God. Do you see that? They brought him a gift that mirrored a connection with God. And no, 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 we're going to give it to him. Why? Because he now is our connection with our holy God. And then they gave him myrrh. A myrrh is probably one of the most expensive perfumes that were found that was in Palestine during that time. And they would use it to anoint the body when, before it was buried so the body would not reek of odor as it began to decay. It was a gift that was given to people at the death of someone as, to honor that person. Kind of like when we go to a funeral or visitation, we say kind words to honor the person that's passed away. They would go and they would bring myrrh. This expensive gift. And they would, like, I would give it to Dean and say, hey, you've lost someone. Use this. And it's my way to honor you and to honor the person that's passed away. Now, why in the world would they give Mary? Can you imagine Mary? She's receiving this gift going, yes, he's king. I don't get it. But I know he is. Yes, he is our connection with God. I don't understand it. But he is. But you're giving me myrrh? See, murder is a picture that one day this king who connects us with God is going to die, right? In the gifts, the wise men told the whole story of Jesus. 
He is king. He's our way to God. And he died so that we might be connected to God. Right? And when you look at these gifts, I mean, the, the, the whole thing I love about these purposeful gifts is they weren't just random. They were, these were thoughtful purposeful, meaningful gifts. We're going to give him gold because he is a king. We're going to give him frankincense because he is our connection with God. And we're going to give him myrrh because this king is going to die. Oh, but he's going to rise again too, isn't he? And when you think about the gifts of the wise men, here's what I want you to think about this morning. I really want you to think about these gifts were personal. They gave themselves. But they were also purposeful. They had meaning. It wasn't random. It meant something. He's a king. Our connection with God. And one day he's going to die for us. Now, just real quickly. What gifts do we give to the Lord? When you think about your, your holiday season, you think about shopping, and some of you have got all your shopping done. You finished that on Black Friday. You fought through the crowd and you made it. Some of you haven't started and you better pick up the pace. Some of you are on the tail end of this. But somewhere, do you, anywhere in that midst you think, what can I give the Lord this year? Is there anything in me says, I, you know, and you're like, you know, Doug, that's kind of stupid. You know, he's God. He's not really, you know, he's not a physical, physical person here. How do you get, come on, come on. Is there anything you can give him spiritually that he would desire this year? You know what most of us give God? I wrote down a few things. Most of us give God our excuses, don't we? Well, we can't. Most of us give God our doubts. God, I just don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> I've proven for 6,000 years you could. Why are you doubting me now? Right? We give God our doubts. Some of us give God our complaints. Some of us give God, this is the saddest of all, our leftovers, right? I'm just gonna tell you, and we've all been guilty, and I'll tell you, I've been guilty of this too. Too many years have passed by where Jesus is the leftover thought about Christmas in our homes, right? Too many years, for most of us, Jesus isn't front and center in our Christmas celebration He's the addendum to our celebration. He's the end of like, oh, by the way, love you, Jesus, woohoo, and we move on. And I'm just gonna ask you this year, do me a favor. Would you offer the Lord the same gifts the wise men offered him? Would you offer him something that's personal? And would you offer him something that's purposeful? Let me give you some examples. Here's the most, listen, the most personal thing you can give the Lord this year. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. This is going to be big. The most personal thing you can give the Lord. Here it is. You. You. Well, Doug, you think it's got to be more than that. No, 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 no. God sent his only son to die for you. God sent his only son into this world, to, to, world to, to live this sinless life, to be beaten and abused and ridiculed and mocked and spit on for you. The most amazing gift you can give the Lord, personal gift you can give the Lord, is you. You can give him your attention. You can give him your affection. You can give him your worship. You can give him your heart. All he wants this year is you. And I say that because I think so many times during this time of the year, sometimes we let things take our attention off of Christ. We let other things seem to grab our focus. Sometimes we tend to let our affection go awry. Or awry. We, we tend to care about things that we shouldn't be caring about. Or we tend to let our worship go astray. We start worshiping things that we shouldn't worship, like the almighty dollar, or like so many different things. And we tend to give our heart to things that don't mean anything. What would it matter 
to God this year, if you would say, Lord, only thing I can bring, the only thing I can give you is me. Can I tell you, that's what he wants. And for some of you in the room today, you say, hey, Doug, I know that I'm a follower of Christ. I know that I believe in Jesus and I've been walking after him. Maybe I've been a Christian for years, but maybe some of us have gotten off track. Maybe some of us has let our attention and our affections and our hearts all go different directions. And today, hopefully, prayerfully, what you will decide to do is just kind of renew that commitment. Say, Lord, this year, I want to give you me again. I want my attention to be drawn to you. I want my affection to be about you. I want to give you my heart and give you my worship. I want my Christmas season and celebration to be all about you and not just the leftover parts and if you're Christian maybe that's what you need to do today and if you're here today and say you know what I I don't have a relationship with Christ the best Christmas present that's personal that you can give God is you not just kneel down and honor him but to fall down and surrender to him and to worship him and if you've never done that today you have an opportunity to do that Today, I'm going to ask you to give a gift like a wise man, personal. But I'm also going to ask you to give a gift that's purposeful. And some of the best purposeful gifts we can give, first of all, is our time. Would you, can we all agree time is valuable? Amen? Amen. And your time is valuable. Amen? We don't care about anybody else's, but my time is really valuable, right? And you know, when we choose to give God our time by investing and pouring into a relationship with him, the point we're making is that, God, my time with you matters to me. And for some of us, the thing that we can give God outside of ourselves and beyond ourselves is giving him our time. Another thing we give him is our talents. Whether you believe it or not, whether you buy into it or not, God has given you gifts and abilities, not just to set on, but to use to serve him. And maybe some of you need to decide that you're going to do that. And then also we can give him not only our time, our talents, but you know this, our treasures. And not let our stuff and our money control us but to give those things to him and letting him know that the thing that is the master of my life, Lord, is you. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this morning. I just want everybody to close your eyes and just bow your heads and just stand up with me. Everybody stand up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this morning. I want you to think about this is the celebration of the birth of Christ, the fact that God gave his only son that I might have a relationship with him, is that the first and the foremost and up front in the celebration I have for Christmas? Just answer yourself yes or no. And is it possible that this Christmas season, that maybe the thing that you're missing more than anything else is the true meaning of giving? Not giving people stuff, but giving God something. And I just want to challenge you and pray for you that you would give God something that's personal, that you would give him your heart today. For those of you who don't know him, that you give your heart to him in in a way of salvation, that you might have a relationship with him. For those of you that are Christians, that you might give him your heart today because you've let your heart get occupied by other things. And today you just want to renew your commitment to love and to live for him. And then I'm going to ask you, if you've done that, would you give him something that's purposeful? Would you say, God, now that you have my heart, you also should occupy my time. You also be utilized my talents for you. And God, the only thing I truly treasure is being in relationship with you. So I'll just ask you today, what is that thing that you need to give him? Is it personal or is it purposeful? And would you do it? 
I'm going to ask if you're a small group leader, an elder, or spouse, if you just kind of fill the fronts and the, the sides of the room. And maybe today you just need somebody to pray with. You're struggling. It's a hard time of the year. And you just want somebody to pray with you. If you'd go ahead and do that. So small group leaders, go ahead and move if you would. And elders and wives and all those, if you just move to the front and the sides. Maybe you see somebody pray with you. Maybe you're here and say, you know what? I need to give my heart for the first time to the Lord. And if you would do that, we would love to talk to you about it. Father, we love you. And I thank you for today. And I thank you. I, I know it seems so simplistic. But when we look at the story of the Magi, I, I just hope we don't miss the fact that you gave first. You gave us your son. And that's not just worth celebrating. That is the idea about Christmas. You became one of us and dwelt among us so that you could seek and to save that which was lost. And God, may we be over, as the Magi were, may we be exceedingly filled with joy because of your gift. And I pray today that in our response to you, that we might respond like the Magi did. That we might respond by giving something personal to you, ourselves to you, our heart, our worship, our affection to you today. And then I also pray that we, once we've done that, we would give those things that mean something, like our time and our talent, and our treasures. God, may we really think about today what we offer you, what we give you, because it will never compare to the gift that you've given us. So God, I pray that this Christmas season, our focus, our heart, and our worship will be on Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, our Rescuer, and our Lord. And may we give you something this year. For it's in your precious and your powerful Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need to pray with somebody, we'd love to talk to you. If not, let's sing together.
it's so important to have moments where we just pause from the noise and pause from the chaos and to say, today, this is why we're here. This is why we do what we do. Because there is a Savior that is worthy of our worship. So I'm just going to pray for us and ask if we can sing that just one more time as we dismiss this morning. Father God, I thank you for that, that declaration. And I pray that that would really be our heart this morning, that we would come. And even if we didn't come to the door with that attitude, that we would leave with an attitude to adore you because you're worthy. And when we are, look at the Christmas story, we, I pray that we are overwhelmed by the gift that you've given us. And may it compel us to share that gift and to live for you. God, may we truly adore you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing that as we dismiss this morning. For